0: Future proof extra from News Talk. Now, one of the things we talk about a lot on this program is your genome, the complete IKEA instructions to building you that exists in nearly every one of your living cells. And as research and genetic technologies improve, the potential for medicine and society is huge. But there's also potential dangers, too. It's why iPosi are looking for people to apply to join the Citizens' Jury on Genomics to discuss all of these implications. You can apply by visiting. IPOSI, I-P-P-O-S-I I-E, before the 23rd of March. To talk to us about uh, all of this is a professor of human genetics at R-C-S-I and deputy director of the SFI Future Neuro Research Center, at Giampiero Cavallari. Uh, welcome to the program, uh, Giampiero. Before we get into all of this, perhaps you might tell me a little bit about what exactly our genome is.
1: Hi, Jonathan. It's it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, so a genome is basically all of your DNA, right? So your, your DNA is the code that makes you who you are. It's made up of four different letters, A's, T's, C's, and G's. And we have about 3 billion of them in your genome. So it's basically a very long code that makes up who you are. And actually pretty much every living thing on the planet has got DNA or some derivative of DNA that tells it what it is and gives it instructions on how to operate.
0: But when we uh, talk about things like the human genome, we're not talking about one specific person, are we? So uh, how how does that work? When we talk about the human genome, that researchers have managed to sequence the apple genome or whatever, the apple tree genome, what are they talking about?
1: Um, so like when we, we, we sequence, the first genome that we sequenced actually was a, a, a composite of multiple different individuals uh, to make up that human genome. But today, There's technology that allows us to sequence a lot of DNA very, very quickly. So to put that in context, we spoke about those three billion letters that make up who you are and make up all of your DNA, your genome. That can be sequenced now in a couple of days at a cost of maybe a thousand euro or even less. So our ability to sequence all of your DNA, your genome has accelerated rapidly, and that's having that's having many impacts across different areas of life.
0: So we have sort of a reference genome, uh, and then we have individual genomes, and that's that's very very specific to us. and And they will tell us all of the genes that are um, that we have the versions of those genes. And this is happening quite a lot, right? Um, uh, universities and companies are sequencing individual genomes to try and understand DNA and its effect on health and other things.
1: Yeah. So you you kind of mentioned the reference genomes. That's the first genome or composite that's ever that was ever sequenced. And the reason why that that was really important for us as a community was because when you sequence, that technology I spoke about, cheap, fast, can, can sequence a lot, what it actually does is sequence just small fragments of your DNA that you have to stitch back together. So what we get out of a machine is a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle when you open the bag and all the pieces go everywhere, but you need to have the cover of the jigsaw to figure out what it is you're trying to build. Hmm. So the reference was the picture, and then we can take all the little jigsaw pieces, the fragments of DNA, and stitch them back together to create your genome from the reference. The ability to to sequence all of these genomes now is, is very important because it allows us to figure out the cause of particular diseases, right? So a disease that everyone would be familiar with would be, of course, cancer, right? And cancer is a disease of the genome. Cancer is caused by changes in our DNA, but changes that are just in particular parts of our body. Like the example they always give is skin cancer. You're getting skin cancer because the sunlight is is hitting the DNA in your skin cells and fragmenting them, which is causing problems and changes that leads to, to, to cancerous growth. So with this technology, we now have the ability to take some cancerous tissue and sequence it to see exactly what changes are occurring at the level of the DNA if you understand those changes you've got a really clear picture of the disease that's impacting you as an individual or your patient if you're a doctor when you understand the disease you've got a much better chance of selecting the correct treatment or if you're a researcher perhaps developing new treatments that target those particular changes so you know in its totality this technology allows us to really I think of it as looking at cancer eye to eye, where you can really see what's going on to allow you to pick the best treatments for, for that particular condition. And it goes way beyond cancer. Many, many different rare diseases, such as, say, rare forms of epilepsy, are caused by particular mutations. If we can use genomics to identify those mutations, which is what is happening, you have a much better chance of picking correct and safe treatments.
0: So by sampling someone's genome, we get an opportunity to see what sort of mutations are there uh, and do things like predict how well a medicine might work, uh, predict what sort of conditions they might have or might pass on to someone else. And, and that all sounds great. So why do we need to talk about it, really? Why don't we just sequence everyone and, and start making these therapies that
1: can change people's lives? So the ch- one of the challenges around genomics is the ability to figure out what is the cause, right? So we spoke about, you've got 3 billion letters in your DNA. Finding the cause of your particular disease is a little bit of a needle in a haystack challenge, right? What letter change is causing the problem? Our ability to do that is dependent on people sharing data, right? We need to have observed this particular change in another person would say a skin cancer or a rare form of, of, of epilepsy or whatever disease to be able to say with confidence, this is the cause, and also perhaps from that. Well, this is the cause, and you know your prognosis or your likely disease course is you know good or bad or whatever it is, and maybe we know that this particular mutation um, or this particular t- type of disease responds really well to a particular treatment because we've seen it previously in another patient or a group of patients who were living in a different part of the world, right? So. The ability to share data is really, really critical for our understanding. And that's a big challenge with genomics because obviously your genome arguably is the most personal thing you can have, right? And you know that, that ask of can we share your data with another research group or allow a, a, a hospital in, in Philadelphia or another part of the world to know that you have that particular mutation as well, that, that's a big ask of people. So so that's is, it.
0: Is, it, is it still um, Jean Pierre? I mean, I, I think when I look at um, surveys of, of, of patient groups, particularly those who are advocating for uh, you know more patient-centric care, a lot of these um, groups are saying, if this is going to advance the science and we're informed about it, we are happy to do that. I mean, it, it, where, where are people seeing the the, the problems is it, is it to do with the commercialization of their data, or is it, is it worries about identification?
1: Um, it, it can be both and other things as well. You know, like there is, there is a lot of value in genomics because when you understand the cause of a particular disease, that's pointing to targets for new therapies. So that, that brings pharma into the picture. And obviously, people can be sensitive around pharmaceutical companies using their data. And that's totally understandable. So, so that's an ask. You know, the, the privacy thing. Your genome identifies who you are. It also identifies your relatives. So, you know, in theory, it's possible to figure out if you're related to particular individuals. So, there's a lot of of um, of insight you can gain from genomics. And I suppose mm. you know the underlying principle is the person providing their DNA um, needs to be fully aware of what you wish to do with it and and how you determine or how you're going to gain value and how that value will be shared. So there's huge benefits, and, and I have my opinion on the benefits, and I'm, I have a siloed opinion, right? But um, there are also challenges around it. And that's really what this whole exercise is about, the citizens' jury, is to try and get the views of the citizen, of people to, to see what, how, how do they think we should shape this opportunity for Ireland. In a sort
0: of popular culture there's lots of um, sort of doomsday scenarios uh, related to genomic testing. One of my favorite films is, is Gattaca, in, in which you know um, genetics play a, a very predetermined role in how someone's going to um, to, to live and where they should be uh, in terms of a, a, a society. You know, people who have good genes automatically get promoted um, to, to to better living scenarios and those with so-called bad genes aren't given those sort of opportunities. Realistically, um, are these the sort of things that we actually think will happen not just in science fiction, but in real life? Do we imagine that, for example, you know, insurance companies are going to, you know, get access to our genomic um, information and, and refuse policies? Do we think that... Um, people are going to use this to to sort of uh, influence elections and that sort of thing? Is that what the citizen's jury is going to be debating? Or or are those sort of really unlikely, um, but very good headline grabbing scenarios?
1: Uh, The first thing is to say, you know, all of us are mutants, right? Our, Our genomes are full of changes, right? So I don't see good or bad genes. I see a lot of differences between individuals. And what we're trying to do is understand the impact of the differences or the relevance of these differences to our health, you know, response to, to certain treatments and so on. There is legislation in Ireland that prevents the processing and use of genetic data for mortgages, for health insurance, for life assurance, uh, for employment and so on. So there are protections in place. Although, you know, I, always, I have the feeling as a, as a geneticist that often the technology pushes ahead of the legislation. So that's another reason for having this citizen's jury is you know for experts to provide testimony to our jury, our 25 individuals, and for the, the citizens to go, oh, we see p- potential issues here, here, and here. And those issues are then brought forward to hopefully inform policy. So it's a great chance for us as citizens to help shape our policy at a national level. You know, we we often give out about government and this, that, and the other. Well, this is a real chance for people to get involved and shape it the way that they want it. And I think in this day and age, we all appreciate the value that comes with a democracy. And this is a real chance to be part of that process.
0: The other thing that jumps up, and um, when we, we talk about genomics, is you know sort of so called designer babies, or, or or the other side of that, which is you know um, using genomics to to rid the world of certain either conditions or or diseases. Some of those, you know, w- where you know there's a there's a, a feeling that this is not something to be cured. This is a part of my identity. If you talk about um, dwarfism um, or uh, Down syndrome, you know. It, it, there's, there's lots of different ways of, of looking at those uh, conditions. I'm wondering, is this something that the the, the citizen jury is, is going to be thinking about uh, as well, or, or or is that outside of the scope?
1: Um, so it's it's within scope. You know, everything related to genomics and health is within scope. And in fact, you know, should this emerge as an item that needs more work, we're planning follow up workshops. You know, after the citizens jury where we'll drill into particular topics in more detail with with, uh, with citizens um, you know in relation to you know some of the examples you gave I, I always think of those in the context of we are all we are all mutants yeah. we've all got our things going on and that makes up who we are so you know i would view genomics as a way to allow people live you know live fulfilled lives it's not necessarily about reversing or changing something that makes you different because as you mentioned that that can be part of your identity and you know you are proud of of who you are but but equally we hope certainly i hope that as a scientist and a geneticist this knowledge can allow people live more fulfilled lives and mm. and, and healthier lives but yeah these are these are things that can be brought forward and drilled into in more detail
0: as opposed to genomics is one of those areas where you know whether it comes to knowing that you uh, you know, have a, a propensity to, to develop, you know, you know, breast cancer or Alzheimer's. It's one of those areas where too much information may not always be, be helpful. And, and uh, I suppose that, that is an interesting one from the point of genetics, but certainly an interesting one for the, the jury to deliberate. How much information should a patient have about their genome that is, and, and what is good for them? And what do you do with that, with that information once you have it?
1: yeah this is another really good question. It's one of the many things opportunities and challenges that come out of of uh, of genomics. so there there are some countries say which will run national genome projects, and we're hoping one day there could be something like that in Ireland., uh, but this is where there are many, many different citizens involved. they um, you know they consent to be part of the program. they have their genome sequenced. But then it raises, well, what if you find you know, a particular condition X that seems to be present in that person's genome. Are the results returned? You know, how are they acted upon? Does it go on to other family members? So these are the challenges that we're hoping to identify and raise through this jury and get, get the citizen's voice. But for most of those things, there is no easy, no easy answer to them. You know, like mm. you'd hope that if, it, if it's something that you're sure about, and that by knowing you can change the course of the disease, then, you know, that there'd be a route to return results around. But that's easy for me to say in practice, it's, it's quite difficult to do.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and I guess that's one of the questions about uh, uh, information sharing, data sharing, um, and, and, and what sort of information the, the patient should have access to. Um, if people want to become a member of this uh, citizen's jury on genomics, um, how do they do that?
1: So we're looking for, for people over 18 years of age who are living in Ireland. Anyone over 18 who's here can, can uh, apply to be a, a, a jury member. Uh, to apply, you go to iposi.ie. That's i And you'll see details on the website, but they just ask you a couple of questions and then hopefully you'll be put into the pool and, um, and have a chance to be selected as a jury member.
0: So, iposi.ie, that's ipposi.ie, the closing date for um, submissions is Wednesday, 23rd of March. Gianpiero Cavallari from RCSI, thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a real pleasure to be here.